Welcome to No Green Eggs and Ham, a podcast about nothing and everything. It's not a show where we take jabs at the infamous Dr. Seuss, but where we dive into topics like art, weird inventions, pop culture, and anything having to do with cubby-wubby womb room tea. So throw on some clothes. Grab a coffee and ignore your responsibilities as you listen to the Just OK Sounds with your host, me, Sam I Am. Here we go. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there. Welcome to another episode of No Green Eggs and Ham. It smells like cigar smoke. Like a cherry... uh, I don't know. It's not burnt toast, so at least that's good. Right? Is there any association with any form of disease or infliction that has anything to do with smelling cherry-dipped... Cigar smoke? I don't know. So the next leg of our trip in Italy was to a little-known town called Florence. Or as the Italians call it, Forenza. Florence was gorgeous. We only spent a couple hours in Florence, much like Siena, because we had other things going on, and it was almost not... It wasn't really an afterthought. We had the intentions to go there, but we were stuck... um, Not stuck, but we were looking at a location, and we spent a lot of time there, um, had some coffee, and and just chatted with the guy. And we decided to to make it like a a trip to go to to Florence. And we we wanted to go to the Uffizi, which is a very well-known art gallery. And it was at one point a a residence, which when you go, it's it's amazing. This, This place was pretty big for just a residence and um when we i was looking forward to florence because of a a video game that i that i had played years ago called assassin's creed where the main character um Ezio auditore di ferenza was like i don't know this is like the second game in in a series of games that they continued to make and in, in fact they just came out with one in october uh called valhalla and obviously that's about Vikings, but they've had different games, uh, ancient Greece and Egypt, and they had uh, the very first one was in um, in Jerusalem. So the second game had Ezio Auditore, and in this particular game, uh, my love for Italy grew, and it was because of the the way that they produced the game, which. If you if you looked at it, if you know if you've ever played it, uh, you would know that they do whatever they could or whatever they can to make the the city cityscape, the scenery, the hillsides as close to 
humanly possible and historically possible that they could. So the the outlay of the city. One one thing that's very helpful is the fact that Italy has very high standards for uh, historical significance and keeping um, keeping things the way that they were when they were first uh, first um, produced or built. You know, you can't paint your house. You can't paint your windowsills or your any any anything on the outside of the house has to be first um, evaluated by uh, the local government, an architect and an art historian, and they have to make sure that the paint you use or the stones you use are the same stone and the same paint color that were originally used on the house itself or the building. So, thankfully, you know, these game developers could actually just go to Florence and and look around, and for the most part, you know, except for, like, Prada and all the, all the high-end uh, stores that were there, the facades and the buildings and the roofs, and, and they were all pretty much exactly the way they were when they were first built. I remember that that same day that we went to Florence, we had just, um, that morning we went to um, this this villa, which is actually where we're going to be going back to in uh, 2022. And they had, the villa's actually at this, this guard house for a castle that's up the hill further, or further up the hill. And it has a, a tower, so you can overlook this valley. It's, it's high up in the mountains, so you can actually see all around you. And so it had the, the main guard tower plus the apartments for soldiers. Each, each one is still labeled the room that it was back then when it was first built with the names of the soldiers that were there. They found um, the people that redid the villa found um, original plans and uh, the names of some of the soldiers that were were uh, stationed there and um, usually that I mean I, the guy was telling us uh, who runs the place now uh, was telling us that that's usually how it goes is when you see a site when you, when you reach a site that's been abandoned for up to centuries um, usually they will find architectural plans for it and they'll find, you know, who owned it, who stayed in it, and all the records. I mean, it was amazing to hear how well records were not only taken, but preserved. So, um, in this particular place, there was the, the main guard tower with the apartments attached to it. And then, just offset of it, was another smaller building, a smaller structure. And that one had been... Demolished. I mean, it would, it went through something, a fire, and it was wrecked. Um, but not when we were there. They originally found the or they found the original plans for that particular building in the main building, and they redesigned it using the same materials that were used on the original building. And it's fascinating. 
So anyway, I, I got off track, but I had wanted to go to Florence ever since playing this game. And in the game, you can run on rooftops and you can climb buildings and, you know, you just, you explore Florence. You, it's an open world concept, so you can just go through the streets and just look at everything. And the the Duomo that that's there in, in, the, in the city center looks exactly the way it does now. I mean, in the game, it's like brick for brick. It's amazing. So we ended up going probably just after lunch. And uh, when you arrive, it's it's interesting to navigate the city streets in a little tiny, tiny car and, and try to find parking spaces. And you usually find a garage or something. And, and that's what we did. We found a garage to park in. And then we uh, we went about uh, heading off to the Uffizi. Uh, we were a little early, so we decided to have some pizza. Shocker. And um, my aunt was trying to figure out where we were and where to go. How to get to where we were. Or where we were supposed to go. Let me rephrase that. My aunt was trying to figure out, one, where we were... And two, how to get to the Uffizi. And I'm looking around, and we're in this little bazaar area. And people are selling bags and um, food and all these uh, little trinkets and stuff like that. You know, it's a big open market uh, feel. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, I know this place. I've been here before. And she's looking at her phone, trying to get a signal, trying to, to figure out where to go. She has a map in her hand as well, and she's trying to figure it out. And I'm looking up, and I'm looking around at the rooftops, looking up at the um, little porticos and, and some of the little um, the houses. Some of them had outdoor uh, patios that had roofs over their heads. And I remember seeing those in this game I was playing. And I'm looking up and I go, I know exactly where we are. And I start walking and my aunt is, she's like, where are you going? I was like, it's this way. And she, she doesn't know what I'm talking about. And she, she's like, just follows me. And we take a couple turns and then we're in the main, in the city center looking at um, what at the time was like the, the jail there, but now it holds, you know, some artwork. And in the front is a, a scale version of um, the Statue of David. And, but the, I mean, this is, if you saw pictures, you, you know exactly where this is. And she's like, how did you do that? I said, I've been on that rooftop before. <laughs> she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, it, it's hard to explain, but there was a game and I played it. And I know where we are. And right right through there, like right next to this thing that used to be like a prison or a courthouse or something like that, there's a Uffizi right there. So it was it was so entertaining for me to look around and know where I was. And I'm like, I could go, you know, blocks this way or blocks that way and still know how to get back and know where I am. The bridge is over this way. And uh so we, we end up having pizza, and then we go to the Uffizi, and it's uh, it's by appointment only. You have to get the tickets first, and it's it's really strange. There's a ticket booth, 
but the ticket booth isn't where you get the tickets. Like you, you pay for the tickets there. We got the tickets online, but you actually have to go uh, further away, like uh, another maybe block down and then down this little narrow um, alleyway. And then you stand in another line and it doesn't look like anything. It looks like somebody's just going into a house, but there's a line to it. And you wait there and that's where you get your tickets. And then you go back to this other location to get into another line to actually get into the museum. Because just because you have your tickets doesn't mean you get to go in right away. There's a ton of people there. And there's still people that, you know, still tourists and stuff like that. They're just standing there trying to figure out what to do. And they don't have tickets and they're trying to get in. And there's guards, you know, speaking to them in Italian and, and broken English and trying to you know, steer them in the right direction and, and basically tell them you're, you, you don't belong here. You know, you got to go over there. So the museum itself was stunning. Uh, the architecture, the, all the, the inner workings of it. Um, just like everywhere else in Italy, it, it felt like a maze. Like it, I'll talk about Rome later, but when you go into like the Sistine Chapel, and you uh, just to get to the chapel, it's a maze of rooms. Like if you just wanted to go to the chapel, good luck. You, you, first of all, they won't let you just go to it. Um, second, you would never find your way. You know, you could find the exit, but you can't get into the exit. So, you know, whatever. So it's the same thing with the Uffizi. It's just room after room of, and they're all connected. But there's a certain way to go. But you can also get out this way and go out that way. And so many works of art and statues paintings it was really cool it's fun to see all the different uh, artists and you recognize a lot of names um, at the time they had a, a van gogh exhibit um, and uh, a da vinci exhibit and you got to see um, for da vinci in particular you got to see uh, the different workings of different paintings that he did. Uh, he would do it in stages at times, and he would, uh, you know, start with drawings and then go into paintings and then paint it a different way and then draw it a different way and then paint it a different way after that. And so you got to see some of that in that series. And that was really fun to see. Um, but there was so much stuff in that museum, and I don't know how they packed so much. And big statues, too. And you look at the building, it is a long building. Um, it doesn't look like a museum, but it does at the same time because everything in Italy basically looks like a museum. So after that, um, we wanted to go to the Duomo, and we wanted to go inside the, the big cathedral. Uh, again, like the um, Siena Cathedral, this was absolutely gorgeous. And this, the one in, in Florence is, is much bigger and even more ornate. Um, it's a sight to behold. And just like the Uffizi, the ticket booth to the church is in a different location than the church itself. So you have to go to, you have to first of all, you have to find this little ticket booth, um, which wasn't that hard because it, it was pretty big and it wasn't that far away from the church. It was actually just across from it, behind it. And it was basically a museum itself. Uh, and we would get the tickets, but unfortunately the church was closed for the day, so we couldn't go into the basilica. Um, but the tower was open, 
and it was just about to close. And we were like, well, we're here. We might as well do that. So uh, we had gelato. Got to have gelato, which was very good. Not as good as Sienna. And then we got tickets and stood in line for the tower. Again, another long line. And you're looking up at the tower, you're looking at the church, and the tower is um, designed the same way the church is, so it, it just looks like a... It's offset of the church, just, you know, by like, you know, 30, 40 feet. Um, but it looks exactly like it's it was just made to be a part of it. And you're watching, you're looking up, and you're like, well, it's pretty high. And you get inside, and there's an escalator to the first landing and that's the last a robot will guide you or technology will will move you the rest is narrow pathways up a spiral that goes around the outside of the i don't know that was nerve-wracking so every whatever feet 20 30 feet up is another platform where you get to walk around and you get to look out the windows, um, which are, you know, open air. It's not no glass. And you look over Florence and the higher you go up, the more you see. But I think they were also put there so that you could take a break because these pathways were so narrow and there's only one way up and down. And unlike the cathedral in Siena, people were coming down as you're going up and there's barely room to fit. It, it was a little, it was not a little, it was very claustrophobic at times. Some sections were bigger than others, but not by much. I mean, if it was two feet across at times, that was big. So you're basically hugging the wall and the steps are kind of slippery because it, it had just rained and it's stone steps. So it's a little slip or a little slick. And some are narrower than others. Some you have like there's just a couple inches just to like hold on to before getting up to the next step and hoping that the person that's coming down doesn't weigh more than you and is going to be just as courteous <laughs> as as you are to them it it was just some points were hard thankfully we had gone towards the end like they were just about to close we got in just before they did and we took our time because they'll they'll keep it open for you to leave they just won't let more people in so we would go to the next floor and make sure that whoever was coming down was down. And then we started trek up and then you find some stragglers come down. And by the time we got to the very top, we just hunted outside for a while, you know, and we just took in the views. It was sunset, got some great pictures and we waited. So by the time we went down, no one was coming back up and no one was like rushing us to get out we were able to take our time. We had a, a couple people around us, but nothing. They were just as nervous as we were uh, about not falling, you know, because you slip, you're just going to roll down the stairs. And that's the stonework is unforgiving. 
and on the way down, we heard uh, the bells went off, and it was unbelievably loud, because we're not only in the tower, but when they started going off, we were right at the level where the bells were, and first you hear this massive swinging. It's just and you hear this movement and you're like what is that and then all of a sudden bong and it's like oh that's the bells and you get to this little space where there's this little trap door um it was wooden very old had to be the original and a little lock over it so you couldn't you couldn't get in but that was obviously an access panel to get in to to you know maintain the bells on every floor that was level when you get to you know hang out on before going up or down to the next level there was a a big metal grate that you can actually walk over and you can look down to the floors below you and you know the further you go up the further down it is and so you see all the way down and then above you on one of the floors you can see the bells and so the bells are ringing as we're going down we go to that next level and we look up and we can actually see the bells and it was pretty cool but at the same time you're like holding your ears because it's so loud but what a wonderful experience um being in that tower when the bells were going uh, we walked around the the city streets for a little bit while it was dark saw some colorful characters it was such a beautiful night and you saw the the ferris wheel um it's it was so interesting it was like being in times square but in this really ancient city or old city then we call it ancient but for us it's ancient and we we walked the um the ponte vecchio after that i got a an etching of the ponte vecchio uh from an artist who was selling in the streets. I don't know. If in Manhattan, you, you can find these guys selling paintings all the time. And my wife and I bought some and we knew that the guy didn't create it himself. Um, but we, you know, liked them and we hung them up. It wasn't the point. It was, you know, we just liked the paintings and this etching. Um, it was actually done by the guy who sold it. So that was pretty cool. It, whether or not it was, I don't, it doesn't matter, but, uh, I'll believe it. I took it. I'm looking at it right now. It's above my desk. Um, drawn by a man named Matteo in 2017. So that was uh, Frenza. It was a delightful city. We had um, everything was closing by the time we got to the Ponte Vecchio. They have uh, jewelry stores and stuff like that on the bridge and. Um, they were closing as we were walking in, so the nightlife started to happen, but we had to get back. On the way out of town, we stopped this little cafe to have some dessert. Oh, unbelievable pastries and some coffee. And uh, made our way back to the villa, because the next day was a trip to Rome. And that'll be next time or later. But Rome was big. We were there for a couple days, so that'll probably be... A couple podcasts because there's some of you I won't mention names who can't listen for more than 20 minutes and right now we're at like 23 
and I completely understand. So, we'll probably cut that one into at least two episodes, if not more, because Rome was unbelievable, and probably my favorite part of Italy, as it is for many people, and there's just too much to take in, and will be even more to, to unpack in one episode. And by the way, I don't think I'm going to edit this episode. There's another friend, actually, he's one of the people that I previously mentioned, got on my case for editing episodes when I think in the first or second I said I wasn't going to edit it. It's not what I meant. I meant that the breaths and the clicks and the phone calls and my phone going off, like I took that stuff out. It's not like I edited what I said. It's just I didn't want all that little stuff in there. But this time, leaving it in. So you probably heard some ums and and all a bunch of different things and me messing up a couple times, but hey, this one was raw. So that's for you and you know who you are. On topic, here are some fun facts about Florence. And it's just because I wanted to do more. This is another thing that my friend dislikes. Like, I just add things to the podcast. It has nothing to do with what I was talking about. But in this case, you know who you are. This actually does have something to do with it. So let's get this started. Florence is the birthplace of the piano. Hmm? Invented by Bartolomeo Cristofori. In Cristofori? Cristofori. Cristofori in the 18th century. Gucci was founded in 1921 by Guccio Gucci in Florence. Did not know his first name was Guccio. I wonder if he would have been cool. Florence was the first city in Europe to have paved streets in 1339. Florence is the birthplace of Leonardo da Vinci, who was born in the lower valley of the Arno River on the 15th of April, 1452. Florence is the capital city of the region of Tuscany. Between 1865 and 1870, Florence was the capital city of the United Kingdom of Italy. The UK of Italy. Didn't know that. The world's most famous nurse, Florence Nightingale, was born in Florence on the 12th of May, 1820. I did not know that. I didn't know. To be fair, I didn't even know Florence Nightingale wasn't just a character in something. In the late 16th century, opera was invented in Florence. The people of Florence spoken... What? That doesn't even make sense. The people of Florence spoken Fiorentino which was the Tuscan dialect and now the parent language of modern Italian. I don't like the way that's laid out there. The legions of Giulio Caesar founded the village in 59 BC and named it Florentina, or no, Florentia, now known as Florence. The oldest church in Florence is the Basilica di San Lorenzo and burial place of the Medici family. That's an interesting family to look into. Almost a third of the world's art treasures reside in Florence, according to the UNESCO. UNESCO. 
UNESCO, according to UNESCO. The Salvatore Ferragamo. I just, I, I know this. The Salvatore Ferragamo Shoe Museum has thousands of pairs of shoes on display, one of the oddest museums. Il Duomo of Florence took approximately 140 years to build. I don't think that that's as long as the Basilica in Rome, St. Peter's, but that's a long time. Between the 13th and 18th centuries, lions were kept in a den in front of the Duomo for the amusement of the citizens and became the symbol of independence for Florence. The Ponto Vecchio is the only bridge in Florence that survived World War II. Hitler stated that it's too beautiful to destroy. The Duomo in Florence is the third largest in the world, only beaten by St. Peter's Basilica in Rome and St. Paul's in London. It was pretty big. The Medici family was once the richest family in Florence. They ruled the city for around 350 years, making their fortune themselves as bankers, businessmen, and art dealers, as well as gaining political power. The Grand Duchy of Tuscany was the first state to abolish capital punishment in November 1786. I wanted to say Grand Dukey. You don't know how badly I wanted to say that. Florence has had two floods, one on November 4th, 1333, and the other November 4th, 1966, 633 years later. So those are 20 facts. I know there's more. This happened to be from theisolatedtraveler.com. Yep. That's it. Thank you for listening to No Green Eggs and Ham. Editing is by Yovino Consulting in Glencove, New York. Producers for the show are me, myself, and I. The theme song was written and performed by Donnie Ronaldo. On a guitar that I gave him. Because I don't know how to play. If you reach this far in the show, please take an additional few seconds to leave us a review on whatever app you're using to listen to us ramble on about nothing and share the podcast with your friends. See you, not see you, next time.